on the advice of their lawyers and also their doctors. Off the Perch podcast would like to inform all listeners that the opinions expressed in these recordings are solely personal and do not reflect the views of any organizations they are associated with. As such, if you are offended by any content herein, please contact Off the Perch directly and they will be addressed live on the next show. Hey guys, welcome back, welcome back. It has been a very long time. I apologize for the delay in getting an episode up there, but uh, we are finally back. It's Steve. Chris. And uh, we're just going to dive right in. Uh, we've missed some games. We're not going to talk about the Open Cup. We're not going to talk about Philly or anything else because ancient history, we're out of there. So we're just going to start off with the NYC game from Sunday. Uh, that was a 2-1 to one win, come from behind win, gave up a goal in, what was that, the 7th minute? Is that when that was? 7th, 8th minute. 7th, 8th minute, something like that. Uh, Aaron Long looked like complete trash out there. The national team has ruined yet another player of ours. Um, but we got a penalty uh, towards the end of the first half, which Royer scored. And then in the second half, hilarity ensued on a throw-in corner kick. Um, I didn't see the sequence. Did you Me see what either. happened? I, were... I had no idea. I thought, you know, maybe they were clamoring for an offside or a foul or something. Didn't learn until, like, the next morning why it was really... Uh, yeah, yeah. It, there was a lot of confusion thing. with that. Uh, I went back, I rewatched the game. Um, so the... NYC defender clears the ball, but it's just he clears it up into the sky at the corner. The assistant referee is running there and looks up, and he kind of does a little shrug and just points to the corner. Like, close enough. Apparently, Alan Kelly had a better vantage point from 40 yards away and decided that, no, that, in fact, was a throw-in. And if you re-watch the sequence... Muil's never looking at the assistant referee. He's just asking for a ball. Gets the ball, immediately throws it in. No one from NYC objects. Not in, a single. In, in fact, you had Alexander Kyans, who was quite clearly shown on the replay, was was saying, "Hey, it should be a throw-in, not a corner." When the when the assistant signaled for the corner. Yeah. So ball gets thrown in, they play for maybe five seconds, cross comes in, and header from Royer, 2-1. And at that point, the entire NYC team surrounds Alan Kelly and the assistant referee and are yelling and screaming that, no, 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 that was a corner kick. Look, if the referee says, I saw one thing, he always gets final say over the, the linesman, unless he decides he wants to defer to him. He, ha- he was very clear that he had a better vantage point. He saw it. It was a throw-in and a corner kick. But the fact that none of them protested, like, how are you going to sit there now and after there's a goal and start throwing your hands up? Yeah, what, what strikes me about it is that if you've studied any film at all about the Red Bulls, which hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they have just a little bit, you'd know that... What I mean, such a high percentage of our set pieces, whether corners or free kicks, are taken short and essentially serve the same purpose as a throw-in. Um, and it shouldn't change at all the way that you're going to defend the set piece. Um, 
and and then there was the the freeze frame that was shown uh, right before the cross was put in, and you see that we had two guys in the box surrounded by eight city players, yep. uh, and none of them managed to win the header. No, no, so it's very it's very hard to feel bad for them, even in, even I imagine from the neutral perspective. Yeah, it was just really bizarre, and they went on and on and on for what felt like five minutes of just yelling at the referee, and not a single yellow card for dissent. No. Bradley Wright Phillips yells fuck once in the general vicinity of an official and is yellow carded, but somehow 11 players demanding that the referee overturned his decision, getting in his face, pointing at his face, that wasn't a yellow card for anybody. It, it was just, it was weird. It, it, yeah, I mean, you, you can't help but think that in most cases, like Alexander Ring should have been cautioned for the way that he gets... Like not just right yeah. in his face, but I mean, he's putting his hands on him, and mm-hmm. and uh, between Ring and and Sean Johnson, somebody yeah. should have been yellow carded, yeah. at the least. At least one of them. Really, it should have been both of them. Should have been uh, yellow carded. Uh, so yeah, we score the second goal, and hold on, there's nine minutes of stoppage time. Um, but uh, before the game, there's there's a little something that happened. Uh, there may have been a, uh, a, a few people that, uh, were coming over from the blue side that should not have been in Red Bull Arena that were banned from MLS stadiums that may be Nazis. And, uh, they got removed before the game started. And when we won the game 2-1, my first thought was, should just let them stay and watch this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it just would have been so much sweeter. But, no, no, we, we did what NYC wouldn't do, what DC wouldn't do, what MLS wouldn't do, and and Red Bull removed the Nazis. So, uh, continuing the tradition of uh, since 96. Yeah. But, uh, anywho, uh, who are your three stars for that game? Uh, so, um, my third star... I'm going to give it to Robles, uh, made a couple of really crucial saves at the beginning um, when it was actually going quite badly for us. Um, yeah. I'd be lying if 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 I didn't say that at some point during the first half, I was thinking, oh man, like we could, maybe not seven, but we might lose by three or four yeah. at home. It was, yeah. it was bad. And uh, I mean, I distinctly remember the save that he made on, on uh, Keaton Parks, which was one that you'd expect him to make, but uh, you know, Read it pretty solidly. Didn't get caught cheating, which you know is won't happen to a lot of MLS goalkeepers. Uh, second star I give to Alex Moyle. Um, you know, did everything that you'd expect from him the the uh, tireless work rate. But also, uh, you watch both goals, and he's instrumental in both. He's the one who plays the long ball over to Brian White, who I actually also thought had a pretty good game and considered giving him a star. But um, Alex plays a great ball from. Uh, maybe his own side of the field over the top to Brian White, which leads to the penalty, and then he's the one who uh, takes the throw in quickly uh, when maybe maybe other players would not have been so quick thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I mean, when you score two goals in a derby match, it's hard not to get first star. Yeah. Um, I don't really like to compliment players on penalties, but that was uh, a really well taken one because if he'd put it any closer to the ground, Sean Johnson probably saves it. Uh, and then the second goal, obviously it's going to be uh, surrounded with all the controversy for no reason, but um, if you actually look at it, it's a phenomenal it glancing is. header right into the corner. Yeah, I, I gave uh, same three stars for me, Robles, Muil, and Royer. 
Um, you know, it, it, it just, I don't know. I, like you said, it felt like we could have lost the game three, four and, and you're right that Robles kept us in it, uh, at the beginning of the game. Um, I, Hey man, for Mobile, we really got to get that song off the ground. <laughs> More people got to learn Starman for the kid. You know, he's, he's putting in work. He's doing more than he's being asked to. And, uh, I think he just gets a, a it, bad, bad rap. Yeah, I know I I've mean, given it's, him. It's, it's been said a thousand times, but like the work that he does is the kind of thankless work that is, I mean, it's instrumental when teams win trophies to have guys who are just going to put their head down, do all the running off the ball. Uh, I mean, we've seen several times throughout his career. He's, he's, he's great at, at playing passes like the one that we saw um, on Sunday. Um, and I think because a lot of what he does does not show up on a stat sheet, um, people who may, may or may not even watch the games yeah. uh, develop these really harsh opinions yeah. about him. Like I, I remember back the game in Costa Rica last year when he made this ridiculous run back to midfield to press and create a turnover that led to our only goal in that game. And it yeah. was, it was one, one. Right, and, right. you know, without that sort of work, like I always joke around that, you know, he, he's a, he's a golden retriever. Like you throw him out there and he's just going to run until he can't run anymore. Yeah. And that's exactly what you need in a, in a team like this. And, you know, Royer's Royer, you know, there's, there's not much more you can say about him. He's probably been one of the most consistent players we've had this year, especially with Bradley being out for yeah. most of the season. Um, I was really hopeful that Bradley was going to score for 13 goals in, in 13 derbies. Yeah. I mean, credit where it's due, Sean Johnson, who is generally pretty garbage, um, yeah. actually had a, I mean, he had a phenomenal game. He did. Because in the same way that we maybe should have been down by a couple of goals at the half, um, there were a few that, like there was the Brian White header where uh, he looked like Stefan Fry in that awful yeah. final a few years ago. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, again, even the penalty, any anywhere else it would have, it would have been saved. Uh so I'm unlucky for, for Brad, I guess it would have yeah, been great. if he scored. It, it would have been great, but that's what August is for. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he's, you know, healed enough where he can actually he start a game goals to yeah. stay on pace. Yeah. Hey, I mean, we've scored seven there before we anything could happen. Uh, yeah. So Sunday, we all feel great. We're super pumped. We're happy. Uh, we, we won, uh, you know, we go home. We got a game on Wednesday against Toronto. And, uh, let me ask before the game, what did you expect in Toronto coming off two one win? You know, we looked pretty solid in the second half. Did you expect us to get a result in Toronto? You know what? I mean, cause I, I was thinking about it really the whole day and I'm like, like, this is one of the few games where I genuinely had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, usually you have kind of a good sense of like, for example, when we go to LAFC later this this year. I'm pretty sure that's not going to end well. But th this one, you'd say we're, we're several points ahead of them in the table. They're in great form. We've just won a derby. Don't think we've played particularly well, either in the derby, the last home game against Chicago, where we won 3-1, but we're outplayed pretty much from start to finish. Um, so I was, I mean, I was thinking it was probably all going to even out into like maybe a draw or a close unlucky loss. Yeah. Um, but I 
didn't expect us to lose the way in which we did. Yeah, that was, um, I feel like Toronto didn't win the game. We lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a quintessential Metro loss where we beat ourselves. Yeah. Uh, started with, uh, you know, you, you've been up to Toronto. You know that Several vantage times. point that yeah. we have from up there. How many steps did you say it is? 171 stairs up from the uh, where they scan your ticket to where the uh, away supporter section is. 171 steps. It is the most in MLS. It is tiring. It is ridiculous. And I miss the old stadium. Well, before they renovated it. But, um... From that vantage point last night, I watched the play unfold where Josie got that ridiculous flick to score, and when Toronto was tracking in and we were tracking back, my first thought was, oh, Long's out of position. This isn't going to be good. And sure enough, ball comes in. I don't know if, if Josie is Long's man to mark or not in the box, but ball comes in, flick, goal. And it was a long night. Um, so that that was the first mistake of many. Uh, the ridiculous play by Kamar with the penalty. Stupid play. Unnecessary. And, and from the TV angle, I could have sworn that it was a good challenge. Maybe yeah. because he... He rarely makes such a such an idiot yeah. decision like that. Yeah, so um, it was absurd. So another just bad mistake penalty. They convert. Now it's two nothing. Um, we brought Etienne on in the second half, and well, before I even get there, if Kaku <laughs> converts on any of his forty-seven chances in the box. Point blank chances in the box. The one where he steals the ball from Michael Bradley and Tommy Barlow is wide open six feet away and he never picks up his head and just takes the shot and and it's saved and oh god. <sighs> First big sign in a while. Um yeah, uh, that was just so frustrating. But it just got to the point being up in the in the supporter section where I was just laughing at everything, at every missed opportunity, every wide open net, every turnover. It was just comical after a while because, you know, there are games where you have bad luck. And there are games where literally everything's going against you, yeah. and that's what last night felt yeah. like. Um. So yeah, second half, Etienne comes on. And I know I've been harsh on him before. I know I've said he shouldn't play. When when that substitution was made, I was shaking my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to his credit, he I mean he did a great job he, setting up the goal and he did. Um, now I know I've I've been harsh on him in the past. Um, and just to explain why, I don't think he's a bad player. Um, I know I've said in the past like he shouldn't play in MLS, but uh, yeah, I, I was wrong. He should. He just shouldn't play for us. He doesn't fit our system. And every time he comes on the field, we change how we play. And the players on the field don't mesh well with him in the system, and he doesn't mesh well with the system. He's a good player. He deserves to be a starter. You know, should they trade him or sell him? 
maybe for his own sake, for his own career. I think, you know, he needs to be given an opportunity with somebody. Yeah. Um, but he comes on the field last night, does a great job. Great assist to Tommy Barlow. And uh, 2-1, starting to feel a little bit more optimistic. Like, hey, maybe it's 2-2. I've been, were you there for the 3-3 I was. fluky draw yeah. a couple years ago? You know, hey, anything's possible. Um, and then Mario with the uh, third brain fart of the night that I still can't figure out now, who was more at fault. Between him and Rope. Okay. Yeah. Right. As long as as long as we're not uh, putting a hundred percent of the blame on on him, because no. uh, quite frankly, Robles, who to a lot of people in this fan base is infallible, <laughs> and I was just praising him about ten minutes ago. I mean, for for the for the game on Sunday, but I just think if you're going to come charging off your line like that, you you give him the idea that you're going to get to the ball and that he doesn't have to clear it. Yeah. Um. And I don't know how much of a shout was given. It kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. It's on Mario because you're, you know, you're not supposed to assume anything. And when, you know, playing inside your six yard box, you can't be shielding the ball like that when it's clearly not going out. It's a mistake on, on both of their parts. Yeah. Uh, clearly communication was, was not there. No. And the decision-making on both parts was not there. No. Uh, it, yeah, it was once that happened, it, it killed the game. for Because if not for that, we were going to get a second. It, it did. I'm uh, but what minute was that? It was maybe 25, 20 minutes left. Yeah, something like that. It, it was just from watching it from the supporter section. It was it was ridiculous. Yeah. It, it was a, a complete failure on both of them. Um, you know, this was. Cangelosi brought it up on Twitter before the game that this was the first time since April 6th that all four of our starting uh, backs were in. That game was against Minnesota at home that we lost 2-1. to one. The previous game that they played together was the week before against Chicago, and we lost one nothing. This is only the third time this year that all four of them have played together. We have lost all four games. Oh, all three games, sorry. All three games and given up six goals in those games. Small sample size. I yeah. get it. I get that, you know, they haven't all played together in, in one game in a long time, but they've practiced together. They have played three out of four together in the last few games. You know, it, it's just we all thought that everything would be fine when when they were all healthy and playing together. And sure it was short rest, it was on the road. But that's three games that they've played together, and we haven't won a single one. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there, there are a lot of other factors to that. Obviously, like, as you said, not only is it a small sample size, but uh, one thing that has jumped out at me all year, and when Tyler Adams left, I think a lot of people in the fan base, myself included, because it was the rational thing to say, is like, look, th there were games last year where Tyler Adams didn't play and we looked fine. I mean... I, I'm a big fan of Kasaris, big fan of Sean Davis. Um, I think Tchaikovsky has his moments uh, where, you know, he's a little bit more of a roller coaster. <laughs> but none of them, none of them do the, the like the destroyer role that added. Like they're all, they're, they're not quite in that in yeah. that mold of a player. Yeah, and that's evident when you look <laughs> at how 
poorly we perform when it comes to winning second balls in mm-hmm. the midfield. Um, it's like, we can't do like, none of those guys are, are really capable the, the, the way that he, he was. And maybe they might have some, some other qualities that they bring. And they, they all do obviously. But I think, uh, losing Adams has had, we're starting to see it's had a lot more of an impact than maybe we thought it would. It, it has. Um, I mean, I, I, crunched the numbers earlier this year when we were just like playing like shit and I compared, uh, I don't remember what the sample size was, but I compared Armis's end of last season to the beginning of this year. And our numbers were for goal scored goals against, and, and obviously goal difference were exactly the same with Tyler under Armis and without Tyler under Armis. Like they were com- like down to the number of goals we scored. Just from that, it was like Armis coached 16 games last year, 17 yeah. games. So it was like 17 and 17. Look at that in, in a vacuum. And for whatever reason, under Armis, we underperform compared to Jesse. Our- and, and, and that's that's something by itself because yeah. I think all season. I don't think it's possible to watch the Red Bulls play and see like a cohesive game plan. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like this pseudo press. It's like the Obamacare of, yes. of high yeah. presses. It, it 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 like it kind of does the job, but in the end, ends up being like a little bit of the worst of both worlds, um, where uh, like we can't win the ball high up the field unless, unless Kaku is the one who's pressing because he seems to be the only one who's fully committed to just chasing guys down right now mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in their final third. Uh, but we also get kind of left open at the back. Um, what is it since, and it's not, it's not just this, it's been all season, but since those stupid, uh, those stupid 4th of July themes, oh my God. Um, training they- kits, 11 goals in four games conceded. We have, we have pulled four points in that time. It's absurd. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I wish they would just retire them. The fact that they were wearing them in Canada was just ridiculous. What, was um, Toronto FC also wearing nope. them? No. No. And when we played NYC, they weren't wearing them. Oh, so it is just us. We were the we wore oh, them. Cool. So They're both us and Houston wore them in Houston. Both us and Atlanta wore them in Atlanta. And then when we wore them against NYC, I was like, oh, maybe it's because we haven't worn them at home. Like, you know, we just got to do it once. Yeah. But then we wore them in Canada. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? This, please stop. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to tell who is who. Um, but no, it, it, I, I know it's July. I know it's, you know, we're never good on the road. We're never good on short rest, but we just don't look like ourselves. Yeah. This was always going to be the tough part of the season, but again, when it, 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 it wasn't just the last month or so it's no. been, it's been the whole year. It's been the whole year. You remember when, when Armas first took over and some, some people uh, like stat nerds on Twitter were making the point that we've changed our style under mm-hmm. Armist. And a lot of people within the fan base, I mean, myself included, uh, really dismiss that. Or like, you know what? It, it, it's, uh, there, there's, there's no truth to this. Uh, just because we're winning games one or two nil instead of four nil. Um, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that we've 
we've changed in style, but I think now a little bit over a year to the day that he took over, um, it, there, there has been like a clear shift, um, away from just all out press. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what his solution is. Like I, I, I've said that I think he can win a lot of people back if he shows that this is kind of his like Jesse Marsh 2017 era, like experimentation with formations and tactics that, you know, he, 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 he took lessons from, but didn't fully employ. Like remember those few games in 2017 where he shifted to five at the back Mm -hmm. as like the standard. And for the most part, it didn't work, but there were lessons that we learned from that, that I think ended up serving us quite well last year. Yeah. Um, so what troubles me is not so much the changes in tactics. It's like, he doesn't seem to be learning anything and the players don't seem to be learning anything. Um, and there's no sign of like realizing that maybe this isn't working out. And yeah, even if he just has to go back to copying Jesse. Yeah. I mean, the difference between him and Jesse is Jesse would run the exact same lineup out there for 20 straight games and lose every single game and not make a single change. With Armis, he's not afraid to make changes and, like, you know, shake things up, but they don't tend to work out. No. And that's not so much on him as it is on on uh, on Dennis, because I feel like we completely blew the offseason. You know, besides Tarek, I can't think of a single other player we brought in, new player yeah. that we brought in, that has really, I mean... Omar Fernandez, notwithstanding, but he's just not getting any opportunities. Um, and that is on Armas. And that is on Armas, yeah. Um, the ghost of, uh, oh, what's his name? Ben Mines is like floating around somewhere at the training facility. Um, but no, you know, it's, we knew we were going to be losing uh, most of our back line for the Gold Cup and did next to nothing to supplement them. Um, I've been yelling on Twitter for the last month that we should have gone out and got a player like Breck Shea or even just Breck Shea, which I got a lot of flack for that. But when the salary numbers came out and it showed that Breck Shea was making like $50,000 more than Connor laid, I'm sorry for 50 grand. Give me the gun toting weirdo with dreadlocks as backup for a left back. than Connor laid Connor's a really nice guy, but the league has passed him by. He's this year's Aurelian Colin, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like, but the difference—the difference was Colin could at least act as an assistant coach, right? I mean, experience. more in the sense that, like, if he didn't see a single minute for the rest of the season, yeah, that would be a good thing. Yeah. Um. Um. So, it, it's. This is why I, I was so frustrated earlier in the season when we were losing just simple games. You know, like watching. Uh, was it Houston? Houston got beat by Cincinnati right after we played them. Cincinnati beats Chicago. Uh, you know, Orlando's Orlando, New England, you know, they're on a nine game unbeaten streak. But before that, it was like, how are we losing to these teams? How are we not getting results? Like we're the defending supporter shield champions. We had 71 points last year. We have already tied the most losses at Red Bull arena in a season. And that was before we hit the halfway mark. Yeah. 
we lose one more game, we've now lost more games in a season at RBA than ever before. And it, it's just the, the stretch that's coming up of, you know, we just played Toronto on the road. We got to go to Orlando. We're home to Columbus. Columbus, who are in complete free fall. Somebody posted on Twitter today that the state of Ohio has a negative 39 goal differential this year. <laughs> um, and then it's Toronto at home. LAFC. LAFC away. Uh, then New England home. Uh, DC, DC away, away. Uh, DC away, NYC away. Colorado at home. Uh, we have a week off. Um, and then it's the Portland, Seattle. Yeah, one, yeah. So it's whichever order Seattle, Portland, Philly at home, DC at home, and then Montreal. away at Montreal. We are going to be lucky if we finish fourth in the East. I oh think. yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I was looking at it earlier today, and I'm thinking. I mean, the East is hot garbage, but it is. But and we're part of that hot garbage. And I, I, but I was looking at. I was looking at the slate of games earlier today and I'm thinking if we get to 50 points, that's an achievement. Yeah. Like if, and to get to 50 points, we would realistically need to win all six home games and then hope that you can pull out a couple of draws yeah. away from home, yeah. which, and I understand, I mean, we've, we've won twice away this year. One was against uh, part of that minus 39 goal differential uh, yeah. in Cincinnati. And then that, Free really, game in Dallas. Have we really only won two away games this year? I think I unless I'm missing one. It's it's just oh, the, I think we've I think we've pulled eight points away from home. Oh god. Oh, um man. Wow. And and I mean I don't want to dwell on that Dallas game too much. Yeah. But it was it was like in spite of Armas and yeah, the usual it, starters. It, it was they, like it was essentially a team coached by John Wallenek, who yeah. actually yeah, uh, competent at that job. Okay. I don't remember um, which game it was in the the time that we had off, but somebody was like, the team literally looked like they got in the huddle and said, "All right, forget everything Armis just said. Like, let's do our thing," yeah. and and played amazingly. Yeah. Um, and the Chicago guys that I'm friends with keep telling me, "Give Armis a chance. Give Armis a chance. Give him some time." We don't have time. The academy has no director. Uh you know, we're we're not spending any money. Bradley's getting old. Robles is old. This is our window. Our window was last year, yeah. where we still had uh, uh, Tyler. And the window's closing. Everybody in, in MLS, the, the whole league is changing. We're not going to be able to compete with just a bunch of 18-year-olds from New York and New Jersey. That's not what this league is going to be in two, three years' time. We don't have time to give Armas. And he's a nice guy. Good for him. I think he's a great assistant coach. I don't think he's a manager. No. I, I, I've never have, and I never will. I, I don't think he should be leading this team right now. And if we have a 21-point drop-off in a season and, you know, squeak into the playoffs, short of MLS Cup, uh, that's it for me. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking even if you win MLS Cup, which is a such a long shot because you're going to have to win it in all likelihood away to LAFC, oh, yeah. right? Um, I just think sometimes you have to make the tough decision. And, and, and this should have been done last year. 
and I, I, I didn't agree with it at the time, but in hindsight, he should have been let go last year because he's, he's not, a, he's not a manager. No. Um, and, no. and I, it's tough when the guy wins a trophy. I wouldn't have let him go. I would have continued to label him caretaker. He, he, he was essentially right. He was essentially an interim. Yeah, and just you know, have a guy lined up at least. Promote Wooly. Yeah, Wooly's a proven winner. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to keep somebody who knows the system, who knows the players. This is the guy that the vast majority of the starting eleven has played for already, yeah. and he brings out the best in them. Um, you know, slide arm, they could have easily slid him back down into the assistant role. They tried to do the same thing with Petke when Baca left. Petke was the interim manager for the off season until they right. hired somebody. And when they couldn't, they just handed him the keys. Right. But he very easily would have gone back down into being the assistant if Roberto Mar- uh, Martinez would have panned out as the rumors were at the time. Um, we got really off the beaten path, uh, very quickly, Toronto, three stars for me. I'm giving third start of the fans, second start at Etienne and first start at Barlow. Uh, all right. Well, second and first star are the same. I mean, the pretty much exclusively for the, the goal that the was goal. scored and Barlow, I think had a good game, uh, you know, good hold up play, uh, when he was able to get some service mm-hmm. when we actually were able to win the ball in midfield. Uh, third star I gave to Anderson just because he made it up there. He did make it uh, up there. Didn't get lost. No. Uh, didn't end up in Indiana. No. Um, no. He kept trying to get me to go to the strip club with him, <laughs> but uh, I was driving back to Buffalo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he Good made it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've been talking about, you know, Armis and the team and everything. Uh, Armis announced last week to expect a signing in the next two weeks. Do you expect a signing? I'm not holding out hope. Okay. I mean, I... Well, let me preface that. Mm-hmm. Do you expect a signing of anybody who will contribute this season? Again, not really no. holding out. I okay. mean, like, look, if we... if, if I, I think we have to even identify where you need to bring in reinforcement. Because the thing that's been frustrating me over the last couple of weeks is that you have these talking heads saying, if... If, if the Red Bulls could get one more, like, quality winger, they're an MLS Cup team. And this is, I mean, this is bullshit. Don't we have 19 wingers have, on the roster? We have about 4,000 wingers on the roster. <laughs> we are the Philadelphia Union of wingers. We like. are. We are. I mean, even with, like, the Velo injury, and I understand he's he is injured, but when he's not injured, he's one of the best outside midfielders in the league. Mm-hmm. Um Again, in a very like Alex Muil esque sense, and he just got his green card, and he did just get his green card, so uh, so, so he can stay. <laughs> so that is good. Um, and I mean, again, hopefully, really hopefully, these injuries don't just mount up and end his career. Yeah, the way that I think a lot of people are rightfully afraid. But anyway, uh, you have all these guys saying this team in order to really compete because three shields in six years is not competing. Um, in order to really compete you need one more quality winger. Um, and I, I just don't think anyone who regularly watches the team holds that opinion. No. Um, no. I mean, maybe, maybe look, if, if you're one of the people who has some sort of personal vendetta against Alex Muil, maybe you do. But do you really think that that's more important than bringing in reinforcements? Like, 
like a proper destroy. I don't know who that is, but someone in the Tyler Adams mold. Mm-hmm. Riza this year, I like him a lot, but he hasn't he hasn't done the job. Yeah. Like he 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 can't be starting. Yeah, he's great for taking set pieces, and he's a good distributor, but he he almost reminds me like Sasha of, of Sasha Klushin, like without the shitty attitude. Yeah. Um. At least he's not making like nine hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars this year. Like no, he he's last not. Year. He's not. Um, well, I mean, you're talking about like we have to identify where to, going hand in hand with this. We're signing somebody in two weeks. Are these rumors that are running rampant about Aaron Long is going to a mystery team in the right. EPL? Right. Wolves are going to sign him in order <laughs> to get into the Champions League. Yes, exactly. Um, so if if we end up losing our number one center back reigning MLS defender of the year. We now need cover for Tarek. Yeah. So does that mean we're signing a center back? Are we re- relying on, on Sean Nealis? Is Connor Laid again, an emergency center back? Like, I, I guess, <sighs> I, and, and th- there hasn't been, very much of a reason to trust them. But I think you trust that at least the FO know how likely it is that Aaron Long is leaving. Like if, if, if they're interpreting these rumors as like, just, you know, just smoke with no fire, I suppose. Um, they'll look elsewhere to reinforce. But if, if this is a legitimate thing, I think that kind of becomes now your new first priority. Yeah. Yeah, um, um, because as as sometimes disjointed as the midfield has looked, I I, I think like, it's not ideal, but you can get by with it. Whereas right. losing Aaron Long and having, I mean, not that Parker and Tarek are like bad center backs, but Aaron Long is is your guy to organize the back line. How much? Um, how big of an offer would you need to part with Aaron Long? <laughs> I mean, at least, at least seven or eight. Really? I mean, I'm at le- yeah, at the very least. Okay. I mean, I'm, I I was reading five is what he was valued at earlier today. Yeah. And if you're, I just don't think. I believe he's been on the team long enough that we would keep the vast majority of the money. Yeah. Um. But I'm not a hundred percent sure. I I asked earlier this year. Like when we were playing like shit and looked like the season was over. Hey man, sell Aaron Long. Like, why not? Let's, let's sell high. He's reigning MLS defender of the year, getting called up to the national team. Why not just sell him? If this year's gonna be a complete crapshoot, you know, take the money and run. And as we've seen in the couple games since he came back from the Gold Cup, maybe right. maybe we do yet, sell yet him. Again. Yet again the the uh, national team has ruined the yeah. players. Yeah. Um right. I, I, I still think, look, it's been a couple of games since the Gold Cup ended. I don't think that's indicative of how he's going to play the rest of the year. I think no. I think it's a slump. He'll be fine. Um, he's uh, he's one of the best center backs in this league, you, not the best. Do you think him and Parker starting is better than Tarek being on the field? Based on his current form of how he's I mean, played. Look, so, so, so you're saying... You're saying him and Parker or Tarek and Parker? Or, or or him and Tarek? I mean, based on last year... Or do we go three to, in the back? 
no, you don't go three in the back. But I, I think based on last year, you have to stick with the idea that he and Long, that is, and, and, and Parker is, that's your center back tandem. I mean, Tarek, although he got off to a little bit of a shaky start, I think he's been excellent this year. I, I hope just, he starts on Sunday. Yeah, I, I just don't know if it's, I don't know if it's worth it to sell Long and put yourself kind of, kind of, uh, into the void with, with, with center backs. Like yeah. I, cause I, ju- I just don't know if, if the Parker Tarek yeah. I don't, uh, tandem would work. I don't know enough about well. the, the Brazil outfit to like be able to say like, Hey may, maybe you sell long and like promote somebody up from there as like a stepping stone up to, yeah. to Salzburg and Leipzig. But you know, there's essentially look to, to Bragantino right yeah. now. Maybe. I mean, maybe. yeah, like I've watched zero minutes of, yeah, uh, Juan Mapu, get back to us. Let us, <laughs> let us know who yeah. down there would be good for us. Um, but no, it, it's it's going to be an interesting transfer window. Uh, as, as far as the priority, I think if 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 the if the team is convinced that Aaron Long is staying, if there are no like concrete offers, um, I think you have to be looking in like the defensive midfield. Yeah. Um, I love that we're not even talking about we need better strikers. Yeah, I mean, and and in a season that's been sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit, I think Brian White has been maybe the serviceable. The, uh, he, I, I think he's been excellent. Yeah, like I, I still think that Bradley needs to start playing the Henri role of basically a number ten that's dumping the ball to Brian White because he's been whenever Bradley's been able to play. I know it's been a really long time, um, but when he does play, he's he was constantly at midfield or even on the other side of midfield, retreating to get the ball, and immediately he would have two or three defenders swarm him, and there was nobody underneath him for him to feed the ball to. He would either have to pass the ball back or dump the ball down and hope somebody could run to get it. If you pull him back from being the striker and you have somebody underneath him where he can be feeding balls to them, pull the defense towards him like Henri used to. And then you have the new Bradley Wright Phillips or Kenny Cooper, where you literally just bounce the ball off his giant fucking head and it goes into the net. Like I, I, I still think that's something we, we could try. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I don't I, know if, I don't know how much I agree with it. Um, I, I just don't know if that's his game to be playing. I don't, I don't like, think it's his game, but I think that that would fit the I, system better. If, if it's, if it's between leaving him off, cause I think um, um, unless, you know, there is some sort of drastic change that's seen in training, but I think from what we've seen this year, Brian White is your starter up top between having Bradley as a 10 or just leaving him off the starting line, uh, off of the starting eleven, in order to come in as a substitute if needed. Um, I would rather go with the latter. Mm. Um, and actually, I mean, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but I've been actually kind of frustrated with like the uh, the Atlanta game, for example, where Brian White has done essentially nothing wrong um, and uh, has been solid in hold up play and had himself a, a very good game, and then got got subbed out. Seemingly for no other reason than just to put Bradley Wright Phillips in. Yeah. And obviously kind of ate my words when he scored in stoppage time. Yeah. But there's also there's also no reason to believe that Brian White wouldn't finish that because he yeah. he's, he's, he's probably I mean, a couple of really impressive guys this year. That game, 
like I, I know they didn't show it on TV, but when uh, when Atlanta scored the goal in stoppage time to go up three two, the body language of the team was like fuck, like we uh-huh. just screwed this up, like it's over. And Bradley was out there, got the ball, brought it to midfield, like rallying everybody. He was waving his arms, he's pointing at different people, not yelling at them, but like yeah, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and goes down the field and scores. And and I tweeted like that was the moment he became Thierry Henry. Like that was the moment where he just because there was a game where we were up like four nothing or something like that against Montreal. Like it was we had a clean sheet. We were up big and in stoppage time gave up a goal. And Henri just reamed into the back line, took the ball, put it on the spot, restarted the game and scored and just pointed at all of them that that's how you fucking do it. You don't hang your heads. You don't give up at the end of the game. You you keep fighting until the very end. And I think that's something that Bradley has from his experience that Brian White very clearly, I mean, nobody expects him to have that. He's been in the league for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, well, he'll benefit massively. Oh, he will. He will. Um, so, yeah, so we both, I, I guess I agree. We need we need help in, like, the defensive end. Yeah. Not so much the back line, but somewhere in there we need some reinforcements. Um, before we jump into Orlando, I, I, I remembered uh, news today. I don't know if you saw it. The uh, MLS announced that they're expanding the League's Cup, the prestigious yes, League's did. Cup. Right. Um, so this year it was, they cherry-picked uh, four MLS teams and four uh, Mexican sides. And they're playing one game knockouts with the final in uh, Vegas because because of course when MLS wants money, Vegas. So MLS announced today that next starting next year, the rousing success that uh, has the league's cup even started yet? I think it starts like tonight or something this week or yeah. next week. So they announced that. Starting next year, there will be eight Mexican teams and eight MLS teams. The eight MLS teams that will be in the uh, competition will be the top four teams from the Eastern Conference that do not make Champions League and the top four teams from the Western Conference that do not make Champions League. I hope we finish sixth or seventh just so we don't have to play this stupid money grab worthless can schedule congesting tournament and if we have to play this this has nothing to do with the streak i'm saying it now this is not a real competition this has no weight this is a friendly this is not a real game i will not be attending these games of course you had to make it about yourself (laughs) i did have to make it about myself damn it uh but but if the final is also in vegas next year you and we somehow make it you Bet your ass we will be throwing the greatest away trip ever to Vegas. <laughs> that will be dangerously fun. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm hoping Vegas somehow gets into MLS see, just for the away games. Yeah. See, see, luckily, I don't have the kind of uh, bank account that oh. I could... That oh, I neither could, do like, I. I'm just... It's Vegas. How, how could I'm you... Not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Come on. How long of a drive could that be? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I mean the gambling. Oh, oh the gambling. Oh, yeah. No, I don't... I, I, no, no. I think I'd be in the casinos for like five minutes on the penny slots. Right. <laughs> win like win like a dollar thirty, yeah. and then call it a day. Yeah. The the most I ever did at a casino, I was in Puerto Rico years ago. This is probably like a decade ago at this point. And the hotel I was in had a casino, and I just walked in with like ten bucks, went to a, a dollar slot machine, 
put in my, my $10. I played three rounds, like three go-throughs on the slots, and I won 140 bucks. I'm like, I'm done. Never Cashing out. And we were packing up, ready to leave, and I was like, give me five minutes. And I went back down with another $10. I sat down on a machine. I played once, and I went, nah, I don't like this one. Took my $9, went to the one next to it, played once, and won another $150. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're never winning again. I'm never winning again. I'm done. See ya. Thank you very much. Um, I think I ended up buying myself like a PS3 or something like that. I, I, I bought I bought some console uh, with that money because why not? But um, yeah, I mean, I don't understand this whole League's Cup thing. I know they're trying to make like their own version of Europa League, which I mean, really just bring back Super League. I mean, it was <laughs> what, what was it a couple of days ago where there was that meeting in LA where like Garber and the I forgot his name, but the guy who runs Liga Mekis, basically said that the long-term goal is to combine the two leagues. Man, um, which, I am... I, that's not a good idea. No. That is not a good idea no. for anybody. No. I mean, just no. What, what, what are we going to have a... By that point, MLS will be at 117 teams. Right. <laughs> like, what are, and if they even think about having pro-rel... After six years, you're it's just, just going to have Mexican US. teams. Like, that's it. The second division is going to be the U.S. Right. Right. <sighs> um, God. That's it, it, such it, a bad idea. It's it's kind of like the European Super League, where I think at some point a higher power is going to intervene and, and not allow it to happen for one reason or another. Just because it's so absurd. Save us, FIFA. You're our only hope. Yeah. God, no, no, no. I remember when this talk came up, like, a few months ago. I thought it was a joke. But, oh, God, that would just be horrendous. Yeah. I, I have been to Torreon. No, nobody needs to go to Torreon for, for another game. Like, <laughs> it, it's fine. It's just windy and desert, and there's nothing. And, you know, it wasn't dangerous or anything. At least I didn't feel like I was in danger. But, no, that just... That doesn't need to happen. No. Okay, so uh, Orlando. Right. We get to go back on the road because everybody loves to go to uh, Central Florida in July. Right. I haven't won in Orlando since, I think, 2016, 2015. 2015. I've never seen us win down there. Right. Uh, That's in either stadium. I think the first game we were down there, we got a draw that I was there for. Um, But... Yeah, you, you took some notes. I did. Because you're um, Chris, and Chris takes notes. Right. Um, I just very briefly went over like like what I think we should expect from them. I mean, it's a team that's comfortable to to sit back and play in the counter because they've got pacey wingers and, um, you know, uh, certain Sasha question who used to play with us. They, um, they didn't play midweek, right? They're playing tonight. Oh, damn it. Because Dom Dwyer got a red card on Saturday or right. Sunday. I was hoping that he wasn't right. going to be able to play. Uh, so they actually <laughs> they they play in about 40 minutes. Uh, I mean, it, oh, they're playing in, in Portland. In Portland. So it's not, oh, it's huh. not the worst thing. Okay. Um, All right. Um, nice. Yeah. I mean, so very good chance that Dom Dwyer is, is back for... Can't wait to see him push Robles back into the net. Yeah. Uh, for the game against us. Um, obviously, he's a guy who's very dangerous with hold-up play, uh, good in the air, like, just mark him well. 
please. Um, <laughs> something that we haven't really done um, at all, ever. Um, the one thing I think uh, you can exploit is that it's a team that doesn't defend set pieces very well. Um, probably should have had three or four goals from set pieces in that first game at Red Bull Arena, which of course went so well for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, I guess, what, what to expect from them. Um, not it's not because we've never even last year when we were uh, the best team in MLS history, we did not do particularly well against teams that uh, like to you know soak up pressure. Uh, and this could be another one where hopefully, hopefully we figure out how to break it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's gonna be hot. It's gonna be humid. It's gonna be shitty. Perfect conditions for the high press. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Perfect conditions for a third game in eight days. And I, actually, and this is something I, I haven't thought about this year, but it was a point that was brought up on View from 202 last year, which is that because we kind of had a mid-season slump, um, and it, the, the point was essentially that in, in the heat, we don't use the press as effectively just because it's so physically taxing. So you're saying that global warming is going to kill Global warming soccer. is going to kill energy drink soccer. Yeah. Um, so care about global warming before, uh, if you were some sort of climate change denier, uh, spend too much time, uh, watching Fox news. Um, now, now is your time to start caring about it because, um, unless you want to see shitty possession soccer, uh, imitation Guardiola ball, um, and zero trophies for the rest of history, uh, you should care about global warming. I, I told you guys the window's closing. Told you. It's literally it's the window is is melting shut. It is melting. <laughs> uh, what are your predictions for this game? Jeez, I mean, you got to give a score line. You got to give a score. I mean, Orlando's trash. They've been trash as long as they've existed in the league. But they already beat us we, this year. At we also, pretty much last few years, we always don't win down there. Yep. Um. So, I'm cautiously optimistic for a point but i i mean just the way that again third game in eight days for us yeah. uh chris armas has not managed very well this year at all uh no we're we're either going to struggle breaking them down defensively going to struggle to win second balls even against shitty sasha question um i don't know i i i i, I think they do the double over us if, if i'm being totally honest yeah, I'm not really optimistic, but I'm going to be dumb and say we're going to win this game 2-1. to one. Right. Uh, I, I really feel like this is the game that Bradley starts. Um, and I think if you throw Bradley and, like, Omir out there, and maybe throw Jorgensen out there, just like... I swear to God, if Omir is not in the 18... <sighs> just, just throw those three out there. Let them figure their shit. Uh, Tarek's got, you know, obviously he's a former Orlando player. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Let him, you know, go out there and not be, uh, God, what was his name? Who was the guy last year? Oh, uh, um, Tommy Redding. Tommy Redding. Yeah, he will not Tommy Redding this. So we'll be fine. Um, but optimistic, two to one. Realistic. We lose this game like three one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could I could see that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking more like probably like one nil. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if Dwyer could be like a carbon copy of that awful game at RBA. Yeah, yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, so there's really not much to say about that. So we're going to jump into questions. Uh, it's been a while, so I'm just going to read all of the questions. Uh, where it is? When was the last time we recorded? Okay. Um, so... Uh, John Bigley asked, uh, why are RBNY capos so embarrassing? Um, the reference is very dated right now. Uh, there was a, a, a an argument on Twitter that ended up getting me suspended for seven days. I remember this. It's ridiculous, but that's what burner accounts are for. Um, we're embarrassing because our team is embarrassing. Um, Pat Haddad asked um bomb live visit toronto atlanta austin texas so uh, uh which would you bomb where would you live and where would you visit i mean i would say bomb atlanta because i, 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 I think that one should be obvious yeah um live in toronto visit austin yeah yeah no that's exactly where i was going uh because toronto has winter um, Austin just has barbecue and not even the best barbecue at that. Um, Michael Thompson asked, uh, what the top priority for the summer window is. Well, and then changed it to, well, we'll answer that and then we'll answer a second question. So we, we kind of already did that, you know, defensive mid. Yeah, definitely not, uh, adding, uh, you know, a 30 second winger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so his second question was, if you could replace one of Armis, Dennis, and Mark de Grand Prix, who do you pick? That is a tough one. I mean, because they're all like responsible for different administrational problems. I guess like, I guess it... Uh, Armis is the first, like he's the easy, easiest to fix, at least paper over the cracks on the field, um, with some good soccer. So bring up Wally Armis out. Um, okay. but it doesn't mean that Hamlet and, uh, and de Grand Prix are, are safe. Yeah. See, I said Mark de Grand Prix out first because he has literally never in his life brought anything good to this team. Uh, he's the man that fired Bruce Arena. Uh, after like a year and a half, yeah. um, he is the man that has tarped off almost half of the stadium and has overseen a complete drop off in our already terrible attendance on the business side. Like, yeah, you know, getting rid of Chris or getting rid of Dennis, you know, could help us on the sporting side and we could win more games, but both of them have at least some experience of bringing us good things. I mean, Dennis has found enough diamonds in the rough, and Armis did still get us 71 points last year. If I had to rank them, it would be like Armis, then De Grand Prix, and then Hamlet is kind of a distant third. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, okay, so then Michael Thompson. It's been a while. Yeah. I, I love Michael because he just always asks us questions because nobody else will. Uh, so this was back on July 3rd when uh, we were losing for nothing. And uh, I tweeted that, that um, 
Uh, what was my tweet? When I die, someone make sure there are six RBNY Paul uh, players there as Paul Barris to let me down one more time. He asked me to pick my six. And at the time, I believe I said it was Armis, Robles, um, Connor Laid. God, who were the other three that I picked? It's been so long. You were really mad at Bradley Wright, Phil. Yeah, I was mad at Bradley. Um, I'm picking people that are too short, they'll drop my casket, <laughs> which would just be fitting. It'd be so Metro. Um, yeah, I'll get back to you on those six. You got six. Can you think of six? Um, I mean, really, just this, just pick the starting 11, like Sean Ito said. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I feel like if 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 I could clone like 2018 Aurelian Collins oh my God. six times, God, um, he wasn't would, even the worst center back we've had in the last five. No, years. he wasn't. It's just like <laughs> also like he, take he let me down in other ways because um, he is counter revolutionary uh, on yeah. Twitter, which was also a letdown. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the final question from Michael from six days ago was, uh, where is off the perch? Have Steve and Chris been stuck on the perch this entire time? Should we send help? Yes, we were. Uh, we actually got locked into a Red Bull arena and trapped on the perch for about a month. Um, luckily we were able to escape. Uh, we finally made it to the bunker to record, but we are here. We'll be here. Pretty much every week. Uh, I can't really envision why we wouldn't be here one week or the other. Maybe, uh, I mean, we won't be here when with the Seattle-Portland swing because I won't be here for the week. Um, so other than that, like, we're back for the rest of the year. Figure it out from there. So, yeah, it's good to be back. It has been an hour of recording. Um, so any last words? Any um, parting thoughts, Chris? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, just you're glad to be back. I'm 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 really happy to be back. Good. I mean, it, Good. I it's been a long, long time off for me as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Looking looking forward to actually recording weekly for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. And uh, yeah. So uh, special thanks to uh, Monica from Twitter for being Monica from Twitter, and uh, congratulations to uh, Giovanni dos Santos on your contract with Club America. Sorry it didn't work out here. Uh, and that's that. We will uh, see you guys next week. La, 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 la.